0: let's do this the cult of hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful i'm david staples of the edmonton journal and i'm here tonight with bruce mccurdy hey bruce
1: hey david take two
0: take two we just recorded a
1: <laughs> a brilliant podcast. podcast
0: there was such insights so many great things said and we and it didn't record i i screwed it up somehow i don't know All right. Sorry, Bruce.
1: So it goes. That was such a wonderful game, David. Let's talk about it a second time, shall we?
0: Can't get enough talking about that game, Bruce. I can't talk about that game enough.
1: Or two loss to the wild. What's not to like?
0: Grady shots, 12 to eight for the Oilers. Two good things, two bad things, two numbers and one conundrum. Bruce, what's your good thing?
1: Yeah, my good thing is the uh, still the uh, performance of Edmonton special teams tonight. Uh, The unit which has been under the gun, uh, the penalty kill actually came through with a uh, a very strong effort, four out of four kills, along just five shots in eight minutes, two grade A shots on one power play, and otherwise nothing particularly dangerous, and a whole ton of zone clears and one battles and not, you know, not many bad things happened in those eight minutes. And meantime, Edmonton got two power plays, scored on both of them, and a combined two minutes and two seconds with five shots on net. And uh, a post in there as well. And so that unit really got the job done. And between them, a plus two on special teams on a night where you have two minutes, for and eight minutes against is outstanding. The only problem was the game was 60 minutes long and the other 50 didn't quite go so well, but uh, uh, both of uh, Edmonton's special teams, and particular shout out to that penalty kill, which has been getting crushed in February. (coughs) This is uh, their first clean sheet on the PK in the last eight games. They gave them 11 power play goals and 22 chances the prior seven games, so a four for four is a Shining Diamond in that department and uh, credit where due. Edmonton gave themselves a chance to win with uh, with buying special teams.
0: Um, Connor Brown led the way more than three minutes on the PK. He was solid out there. Jan Mark was next. Uh, for the forwards, Nurse, CeCe and Acom were all really strong um, on the PK. They had a little bit of trouble, each of them on a goal against. Um, even at even strength. So 2-0 for special teams. You'd think the orders would win the game, but not to be, not to be, Bruce. Um, my good thing, Bruce is Connor McDavid. Um, as we said, the grade A shots were 12 to 8. Connor McDavid made major contributions to eight of those grade A shots. The orders didn't get much done when he wasn't on the ice, but when he was, he was driving all night long. He hit the post three times, including once in the third period. Charges in over the blue line, puts it off the post, and that's kind of the the key. There's two key plays of the game. We'll get to the second one in a second, but that was the that was just missing. That shot uh, was just tough to take. The orders they they came out in the third period and stormed the wild, and um, they just couldn't get one past uh, Philip Gustafson. But McDavid was fantastic, although he's minus four. He didn't make any. He did not make any major mistakes, according to our analysis, on any of the goals against. So sometimes you can get a minus on a goal against, and you're just out on the ice. It's just bad luck on a, on a certain level. And um, he was uh, attacking, attacking, attacking. And if the other players on his team had played with the same level of intensity throughout the game, this game might have had a different result in the end. But but they didn't. The Wild outplayed the Oilers significantly. Especially early in the game. And, um, you know, they were the better. I think they were the better team on the night. Um, they deserve that win. Hate to say it. Bruce, what's your bad thing?
1: Uh, my bad thing is I, just sort of the first half of the game. Before Edmonton's first power play, mind you, they did have some penalties to kill uh, in the first part, the first three penalties. But at the 30-minute mark of this game, Edmonton had 10 shots on net. And then they raised the temperature the rest of the way, and they got it all the way up to uh, 43 to 20, uh, according to NHL.com for Edmonton, on 33 shots in the last 30 minutes after having 10 in the first 30. And it just seemed the first period was played... Uh, the uh, it was it was fairly safe, other than a blow-up in the last minute of the period, so they couldn't even get to the intermission with, a, uh, you know, with, a, with the tie score. But they had nothing going on the attack. Or when they did, they missed the net or, uh, you know, I mean, McDavid hit the one post, uh, which uh, technically is a miss, even though, you know, obviously it's a close chance. But they just weren't generating really much of anything. And, you know, they try to get down to business in the second half of the game. They found oh, uh-oh, the opposition's backup goalie is uh, coming up huge again. We've seen this movie before. And uh, this game ultimately was one of, the, like one of the Woody games at the start of the season where every metric had Edmonton dominating except for the damn scoreboard. And of course, that's the one that, that uh, matters.
0: Whereas my bad thing is the second key play it came in the third period. The Oilers have been pouring it on. They had the first five or six grade A shots of the third, as mentioned. And then all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> the Oilers have a little slip up in their zone coverage or their defensive coverage. Connor McDavid and Warren Fogle go for the same player at the point, essentially, and the puck gets moved over to Jonas Brodin. And he moves down the wing, then, and from the outside, he ham- slaps in a um, shot that is not a grade A shot. It's a grade B shot. It's a shot that might go in tops seven percent of the times, eight percent of the time. It's not a. It is not a dangerous shot. And and Pickard loses his point post. Uh, this is the. It, Stuart Skinner's been victim of this the last two games he's played in. And Pickard did it this game, and it cost them the game essentially. Gustafson was making the saves, and Calvin Pickard mm-hmm. didn't in the clutch. And he had made he had made some good saves. Of course, he he right had that in the, the game, first yeah. goal of the game, which was called back. That was also kind of an outside shot. Great shot. Um, yeah. It was a great shot, though. This yeah. it, it arguably was a great A shot. The, the 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 one that was called back, right. the first one. Yeah, but this, I, this one, this—he's got to have it. He's got. Everyone knows it. He knows it. The whole world knows it. And the Oilers lost because of it. And you can't. It's just really hard to win. The Oilers have had goaltending for two months. They had, they hardly let in a weak goal for yep, two months running. Yep. And now it seems like it's every game. Yep. Um. So you're not gonna. You're gonna start losing games, and the Oilers mm-hmm. have now lost two in a row. And um, if it doesn't stop, they're gonna lose more in a row.
1: Yeah, I thought Pickard kind of lost his net on that one. Like from the TV angle, it looked like his, like uh, Brodine, uh shot the puck from basically the face off dot or a little, a little outside it and a little like a low angle. And it seemed like uh, Pickard's right skate was completely outside of the net on the short side. And his left skate was inside the post on the, on the far side. And of course, that's where the shot went. And it was a hard slap shot, and it found a perfect hole. I think it it um, it ricocheted off of both of Pickard's the uh, bottom of his glove and the top of his pad, pad and it hit both in rapid succession and then just kind of squibbed its way through and into the net. And for Jonas Brodeen, sweet revenge. Last time he played in this building, he got knocked out of the game by a a, a very – a marginal, borderline, some would say dirty, Vander Kane hit where he left the game and missed it the next month after that injury. And not only did Kane not get penalized, but Minnesota did in the ruckus that ensued and Oilers scored the winning goal on the power play. So fans of Jonas Brodeen would say Justice karma. got served. Karma. Some, karma got served tonight. Yeah, some karma there. <laughs> He's a nice, nice. player, Brodeen, but five goals. When you got a five goal scorer to shooting from outside at an angle, you would expect your goalie to make that save. And he is did. that
0: five career goals? No,
1: that's for... ten, that's this here. That's
0: a series. Okay. Not, All, right. All right.
1: He's not, you know, offense, the shutdown defense is his thing, and he's a very very good at it.
0: He is. But... He is good at it. Okay. Um where are we at now, Bruce? That was your bad thing, right? Yeah. Have you got You did your uh, bad yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Number. What's your number?
1: Yeah. My number is 19, and this is Connor McDavid's stats for the last uh, uh, just two. Starting on Friday, two weeks ago today. Let me bring it back up. I had it earlier since February 9th, and this is NHL leading. Since uh, and they still haven't updated it, but I can update it because he got two more assists tonight. Yeah, so eight games played since uh, February 9th. Connor McDavid zero goals, 19 assists for 19 points, which is the most points in the NHL without benefit of a single goal. 19 straight assists for this player. It's kind of hard to believe.
0: Why do you think he's not scoring so much this year, Bruce? What's your take on it?
1: Uh, I think he's he, – last year, A, he was sort of – I thought he was really focused on on upping his goal scoring, and uh, um, he wanted to uh, – I think he really wanted to win the Rock of Shire Trophy once in his career, and he, he was sort of um, – he was just shooting more, but he was shooting better. He was beating goalies from the high slot – and he would sometimes even, you know, sift one in from outside that would, you know, find a hole and surprise and, and, and hit the net. And this year, most of, the, most of the stuff he's doing is like trickery from in close. Like he's very, very good at this high short side shot from almost on the goal line. He had two posts doing that tonight, but no goals again, no joy. Uh, but I just don't see that he's beating goalies from distance at all. And I also sense some reluctance to let go in situations where I think he should shoot from there and, and he'll force the extra pass. So I wonder if, you know, is there a wrist or, a you know, some kind of physical issue that's uh, uh, maybe making it painful to shoot or, or you know, that's changed his approach a little where he just doesn't have a, a, quite as much strength on the shot that he doesn't trust it to beat a goalie because it's not as strong as it, as it could be. I don't know, but I do know that... Uh, here we are in the last week of February, and he's got 21 goals. And last year, in the last week of February, he scored his 50th of the season. They were a little further along. It was game 61 that he did that. But uh, Wow. Right now, he has 21 in 54 games. So he needs to score 29 goals in his next seven games, David, if he wants to get to, uh, to, to 50. It's the same. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. It's
0: not. It, but it's, it's po- a
1: huge, like he's cut in half. Goal production's cut in half.
0: So he's now got 87 points in 52 he's now, games? Yeah,
1: w- once they ever update this thing, They're always so uh, slow. he's up to, uh, yeah, he's 21 and 66. He's got his assists. Nobody else in the league has 60, and he's already at 66, and he's just soaring. He may well get 100 assists, and if he does, he'll be only the fourth player in NHL history to do that with uh, the incomparable Wayne Gretzky having done it 11 times. Bobby Orr and Mario Lemieux once each. Nobody else ever and done it even once. Yeah. But McDavid, I like his chance to get to 100 assists.
0: He's now eight points behind Kucherov. He's closing in. eh? He's closing yep. in. He's closing in.
1: And he's, he's played, he's played five fewer games than Kucherov, and the Oilers have played three fewer than Tampa Bay. So
0: three and a half. Got
1: three games in hand, but his points per game now. Has, I think, will have exceeded Kucherov after tonight. They were tied at 1.67. And in fact, he was listed number one. Uh, so it's, he's got one point, you know, slightly bigger fraction than the third digit. Uh, and so, and they'll have raised it a tiny bit more of two points tonight. So he's he's right in the hunt for the scoring race and he may well win it. Like he's certainly getting into range eight points.
0: Oh. So, Bruce, uh, my number is Leon Dreiseltl's, uh power play excellence when it comes to one timing the puck. He hammered in the executioner shot tonight, and um, he uh, he's ten for thirty-one this year. He he usually scores on about thirty-three percent a 33% rate on his executioner shot, and he's right in that category again this year. So, um, now when it comes to power play goals, though, last year he had 32. This year, yeah. I and I don't know if this has been updated according to hockey reference in 53 games, he's got 13. There's they are yeah,
1: they, he got his 14th tonight,
0: 14th tonight. So, yeah, he's not like so. Last year was a uh, I'll just go back a few years it's been 16 16 15 24 32 13 excuse me 14 this year now so he's he, he's not um, in terms of his usual kind of season average of like he 16 16 15 um but he had those two years of 24 and 32 he <laughs> could get up to 24 this year it's still you know that he's uh, he's getting he's on track for about 20 I guess right so um, it's pretty damn good, but it's just it's not the 32 we had last year, which was yeah. unbelievable, spectacular. 20,
1: About 22 he's tracking for.
0: Is that what it is? And, yeah. yeah.
1: And other teams pretty, are
0: t- pretty good.
1: Opponents are are mm-hmm. doing a better job of defending that lane to his shot. And goalies are also, I think, doing a better job of anticipating you better be ready as soon as you see that puck go right to just fling yourself across to that post because that's where that puck's going And we saw that last game in overtime with those especially one wonderful save that swayman made on a perfectly executed play and another similar one and you know so some credit to the goalies but often the, the puck seems to be right on track for leon and somebody will snake a stick out and deflected away and we saw that at least once tonight where I thought there this is very promising and all of a sudden the puck was chipped away
0: remember way back when uh when Leon signed his big contract some people were saying his his sixteen point nine percent shooting percentage was unsustainable
1: uh-huh.
0: and um well since that time he's he he did have one year the next year he had twelve point nine percent shooting but after that it's been 21.6, 19.7, 18.5, 19.8, 21.1, and this year 19.1 before tonight's game. He, he is a career 18.2% mm-hmm. uh, shooter. So, well, and if six
1: you, years in a row north of 18%. Yeah. It's pretty phenomenal, and it's certainly clearly sustainable. Uh, <laughs> re- reminiscent of the great Yari Curry, who had seven consecutive seasons over 20% with the middle four of them being over 25%. He had four straight years over 25%. And, of course, he had the greatest playmaker in history setting him up. And he was making his shots count. And we're seeing some of that certainly trickle down from Leon. He's converting a lot of those goals, especially the power play goals, would be off McDavid's path, like that beauty backhand feed he sent over there tonight. Bruce.
0: Tonight's conundrum is there's there's been a lot of talk about Evan Bouchard not being able to get off his shot on the power play. And the st- the typical notion is you just got to shoot more, shoot more, shoot more. And what I'm noticing is um, all the players on the owner's power play have a great reluctance to shoot unless they can get off a really good shot. And maybe to a man, they could all shoot a little bit more. But I'm not seeing a lot of clear looks for Evan Bouchard where he's – could drill the puck and he's not drilling it. And it's particularly the case when it goes over. There's no one, actually. There's no one, there's no set plays for Evan Bouchard to hammer the puck. Mm-hmm. There's, I can't even imagine in my mind's eye, like we can all imagine the the play where Leon Dreisaitl is going to get the pass and hammer his executioner shot. It's Connor McDavid charging into the slot, Whipping it over, or it's McDavid True passing Nuge. it back to Nuge and Nuge putting it over, or it's McDavid nice backhand pass tonight mm-hmm. to do the same thing. That's kind of the Nuge play um, from the higher in the slot to set up Dry I can't think of the set play though to get off Evan Bouchard's shot. And if it strikes me, if they want to shoot him to shoot more, they're gonna have to have some set plays. And I think it's probably gonna come from Dry or excuse me, from McDavid. Dreisaitl has kind of a hard time getting off that pass because he's passing it kind of across his body back to Bouchard. And uh, Bouchard's kind of got to be behind Dreisaitl to cover him um, in case there's a turnover there. So I think it's going to be McDavid wheeling with the puck and working with Bouchard, maybe just at the top, because they've got to cover McDavid at the top, and then just Bouchard playing off him a bit and and getting the shot that way. And I think maybe they should look for that a bit more than they do. But I think that'll be the play. Maybe Nugent Hopkins could also make that play um, where they move high towards the point with the puck, either McDavid or um, Nugent Hopkins. And they have a secondary option of of either shooting it themselves or passing down to Dreisaitl or laying it off to Bouchard on the other side. So that might be the play that we'll, we'll see if we want to see Bouchard shoot more. And I think that we do probably because he does have a wicked shot.
1: He does have a wicked shot. I think the one-timer on the power play, uh, it's evolved over the years to basically the two wingers on the on the circles being the guys that are in the best position to hammer one-timers. The right shot in the left circle like Ovechkin, left shot in the right circle like Dreisaitl, uh, where the pass can be coming sort of across the seam to them or even can be coming from behind a little bit where, the, you know, the guy's passing from higher in the zone to, to them in the circle and they let her rip. The D-man one-timer was a very common thing like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but that was from a time when most teams ran, well, often two D-men on the points on the power play or certainly two points on the power play. Uh, or even they used to do the umbrella where they had the two side points and then the high guy in the middle. And they'd they'd automatically line up the D-men. Even if it was a normal pairing, they'd flip them so that the right shot guy was on the left and the lefty on the right just for the purpose of one-timers. And often it was a D-to-D pass that the guy was hammering away. And now to set up the defenseman on the point, you're actually passing the puck back to him from further up in the zone. And I don't think that's just quite so so easily done. And it's also, not. the 1D man, you know, used to be the two guys would sort of each cover half the ice. Well, the one guy's got to sort of cover the whole 85 feet right along the blue line. So he's not necessarily going to be standing around in one particular spot, you know, like Sheldon Surrey, just waiting for someone to slip that pass over and it bombs away, right? It's just... The, you know, the structure of the power play, not just Edmonton, so sort of the modern thinking of the power play. One D-man on the point, four forwards, one, three, one. And it just seems like, the you know, the one-timer are just coming from different parts of the sheet. You want to do it, you want to set up Bouchard, put him in the left circle and put another D-man at home or somebody in center point who can feed pucks over there and then, you know, have... The bumper who can feed pucks over there, and you got maybe feeds uh, coming to that guy from two or three directions. He's going to hammer some shots, but it's not the modern theory. And so, I mean, he's doing fine. He's scoring goals and assists on the power play, but the one timer is not necessarily the uh, uh, the weapon of choice.
0: In theory, if McDavid kind of looped back and got the puck high in the middle of the ice at the blue line. And then Bouchard moved off to one side and settled on the other. It might open up things for both Dreisaitl and Bouchard, because right now they're they're doing a much better job, I think, of shutting down that pass yes. excuse me, to Dreisaitl. But it's because McDavid's coming down the wing mm-hmm. the on the opposite side of the ice, on the left side of the ice. So, and he's going to make that pass over to Dreisaitl. Still an effective play. He still scores a lot of goals. That way he scored, uh, I think it's 10 on one-timers on the power play. But okay. if McDavid, um, if they change it up and McDavid attacks from the middle of the ice, um, loops back, gets the pass in the I middle of the it, ice, yeah. then Bouchard, then he has the option of either. He can make a quick pass to Bouchard right away for boom, quick one-timer, mm-hmm. or pe- penetrate. He could drop it back to Bouchard for the one-timer, or he could pass to dry settle. So that might be um, something to look at mm-hmm. if they're listening to the pod, if Glenn Goetz <laughs> Listening, to Is critiquing
1: his tonight? power play and saying, well, tomorrow night, I want to go better than two for two. Let's hear well, what a lot of
0: people have to say. That's exactly <laughs> what's going on there. You know, That's yeah, well, paid better to than two for
1: two, three for three or eight for eight and drawing a few more penalties would be helpful, yeah. but there does seem to be a quota.
0: Yeah. Bruce, let's, um, we, in the previous podcast that didn't record, we did talk trades. Let's, let's put that off till tomorrow night cause we'll have sure. one more game to go on. And we'll, we'll call it a night for tonight. Thanks. Thanks for talking tonight.
1: All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Bruce, thanks for your patience. Good night. No problem.